listening to episode 305 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, joined as always by my co-host Dwayne as we continue our journey with season one, episode 12 of The Magicians, titled 39 Graves. So, dude, we're getting pretty close. Uh, this is the penultimate season finale next yeah, week. Yeah, this is as close as you can get without being like at the actual end. Yeah, and then dark the week after. So, uh, yeah, and, and you know, I, I noticed that we forgot to talk about our letter grade in the podcast last week, and of course, we've done that from time to time, and you know, we always sure. put it on the website if you want to go there. So, I thought uh, we'll go ahead and give our grades early. And then if we decide we want to change them by the end of the discussion, we, we oh. can do that. But, uh, All right. you know, before we get there, we want to thank our Patreon patrons for their support. Uh, Fred from the Netherlands, Dan, Cindy, Mike. Um, you know, we, we finished up with Fred's. Yeah, I'd, it's really not, as he points out, a top 10 list. It's just 10 shows and movies that he wanted us to comment on. So... Uh, we, we posted that last week, and uh, we've got another one on the horizon that we'll talk about in the coming weeks. I do have one tip of the week, and I don't know if you've seen Black Mirror Season 5 yet or not. Yeah, dude. Is was that, that your were tip you actually week? asking me that question? I don't, I, was that your tip last week, and I wasn't paying attention? No, or? no, oh, but I'm okay. just saying, of course I saw it. Okay. So uh, Michael and I have... Should, should we throw a spoiler down this one before well, we... Well, uh... I, well I'm not going to give anything spoilery in my tip of the week. Okay. What, what I'm just going to say is season five, there are only three episodes, yeah. and Michael and I uh, covered it for Sci-Fi Fidelity. It won't publish for a couple weeks. And, and so we each took an episode. And what I would say, because I don't ordinarily read reviews and... You know, you and I have talked about this. We're, we're kind of loath to look things up to see what other people are saying. Yeah, we, you know, these should be our ideas. And, you know, sometimes we have to look something up because we're totally confused about something. <laughs> but every review I read about my episode was just terrible. And, and I thought. So well, which one did you have? Okay. So I, I didn't know. Michael did the first one. I did the third one. So really uh, the one with miley cyrus yeah the miley cyrus one and what i would say and again i'm not going to go into it in detail but I, I would just tell people about season five of black mirror give it a chance lose your expectations i mean yeah no artist deliberately sets out to create mediocre art you know i mean right maybe justin bieber but other than that <laughs> well i think he i think he seeks it out i think it just happens <laughs> okay <laughs> but I thoroughly enjoyed episode three, Rachel, Jack, and I, Ashley, too. Yeah, I loved episode three. That was my favorite one of, of the three of them. Right. And I just think, as I read some of these reviews, number one, did you even watch the entire episode? But number two, what's your problem? Is it that it's not dark enough? It, it, it's not about adults and their problems? I mean, I think you and I maybe have a natural attraction to it because, I mean, it really is... Uh, uh, Almost traditional coming of age, search for self yeah. tale. I mean, sure. it's not Catcher in the Rye or no. a separate piece, but it's a solid story, good acting, and there's a lot of nuance there in the relationship. And my tip would be lose your expectations, give it a chance. There's a lot there. I get that people will go into it. Oh, Miley Cyrus, she's a train wreck. Well, whatever. Number one, she's a damn good actor. She's a she's phenomenal really good. singer. Yeah, and you know, just just that that that's well, going to well, be. Well, see, my I, I was actually going to pick this Black Mirror this week as well, and just to say this again, I won't give anyway spoilers. But I thought Miley Cyrus was incredible, and especially with all the meta elements of that, because the the character she plays in Black Mirror is, you know, not unlike. You would think, you know, Miley Cyrus, the person, because it's someone who was a, a teen star and who has built an early reputation and has a lot of young teeny bopper fans and is trying to break free from that. As we know, I mean, you know, that's I've always wondered about Miley Cyrus's quote unquote breakdown. I think it was just her saying, F this. I'm sick of being a childhood star. I want to be. I'm an adult now. 
I'm tired yeah. of singing, you know, Party in the USA. So let's see. I'm going to do some crazy shit and, uh, and kind of trash that, you know, goody, goody kid image so I can go on and do other stuff. I, honestly, I've probably, I, I don't, obviously I haven't grown up with, but my kids have grown, my daughters especially have definitely grown up with Miley Cyrus and watching Hannah Montana is one of their favorite shows. So, you know, to see her playing kind of like the darker side of that, I thought it was great. I thought she was awesome. Um, yeah, that was my favorite one. I th- you know, I thought all three were, were pretty good. There really wasn't the, the, the dark, like if you're looking for what was the one, uh, like come on and dance or, um, you know, hated in the nation, which are definitely some of the very, very dark, uh, episodes of black mirror you're not gonna really find that this season i thought the second one also because you recognize who played the guy in the second one the 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 driver no i haven't seen smithereens that's the one okay. i haven't seen yet well the guy the, the star of it is the guy who plays uh moriarty in sherlock oh he's excellent he is incredibly such a good actor and that episode is just like uh acting toward the force you know i thought the last two episodes were really good acting i thought the first episode was good in a different way um in in it just kind of examining um like the human psyche and sexuality and and putting the uh the guy who's going to be who's taking over captain america uh, in there, I thought as a um, kind of a middle-aged schlub was uh, a nice little act uh, casting twist. So, you know, it it it's definitely maybe not as super ironic, twisty, bendy as it has been in the past. But I think three solid episodes. My only critic crit- critique, sorry, would really be only three episodes. You yeah, know? sure, yeah, and like you said, the first one. Uh, that deals with the you know the the couple's marriage and you know the sexual identity questions uh, of their friend uh i mean the acting was outstanding the story was i mean it was solid uh, you know yeah, it's like solid, I, right. it was a good story did you recognize the the wife theo okay i, I mean i did but i didn't like she, it didn't she's the lead in sleepy hollow Oh, okay. Yeah, but uh, right, right, is, right. I I knew I'd, I'd seen her before, but I didn't go in IMDb to find out what she'd been in previously. And, and just as a trivia, the podcast we did on the Sleepy Hollow pilot remains our Still most downloaded one? episode ever. Wow! So don't know why, and no, that's one call- that I can't remember the circumstances, but I think that was the first time we recorded in the studio at school. Oh, I kind of seem to remember that, yeah. So, anyway, all right. Well, enough of that. Let's get on to uh, The Magicians. Penultimate episode, number 12 of season one, 39 Graves. Great title. Henry Alonzo Myers and Leah Fong wrote this one. Guy Norman B. directed April 4th, 2016. I'm going to throw my letter grade out there right at the beginning. And as I said, we can always alter if we decide to. But I almost gave it an A. I'm certainly going A minus. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Well, I, I thought it was, yeah, it was, I, I, A minus to me is pretty good. Um, so, but still, I think A minus is where I was I was going with this. Anyway, I thought there were some really, really good elements to it. There were some goofy, like, again, well, I, I don't know. I'm just going to throw this out there now and, and we'll talk in detail more. But just how things just like happen. All of a sudden, like major things just kind of happen here. Uh, I feel like without a lot of actual buildup or seeing it happen, like you know, oh, um, are we talking about Game of Thrones or magicians? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, in this case, we're just talking about magicians. But okay. if we want to transfer that conversation to Game of Thrones, we could probably do that as well. But I mean, which makes me wonder: like, did they get to episode twelve and they're like, "Oh shit." We've only got two more episodes, and here's what has to happen. Here's how much screen time we have. Okay, we've got to make some jumps in narrative here. Right. Well, well, let me throw this out there, because this is one of the things that 
really caused me to think exactly what you're saying. And it's that conversation that Quentin has with Dean Fogg, where he explains about the time loop, just drops it all at once. And I wonder, should it have been dispensed over time? And I think you would probably say, yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden you just say, well, you know, boom. Oh, hey, this is the 39th time we've had this conversation because you're in a time loop. Wait, what? Yeah, that and the the group suddenly everyone in the group meets with the uh, the our lady of the underground and gets everything they wanted. Yeah, just yeah. happens, right? You know? Now, right now, even before that, we we've obviously talked about the multiverse and and the different dimensions. But one of the things that comes out of this episode, we, we've got both teams, uh, Team Break Bills. Uh, and, and of course, uh, Team Beowulf dealing with time. I mean, uh, Breakbills has to deal with this time loop that uh, Eliza has set in motion. Beowulf wants to go back in time. Julia and Quentin are now time traveling to 1942. And I wonder why Q wants to go to Fillory. Is it to help Team Breakbills or is it something else? I mean, would it. Yeah, I mean, obviously he, I, you know, I think he definitely wants to help out the the Break Bills team, but he also just wants to go there to go there, and you can see him geek out when they, you know, first follow Jane through that the telephone booth, right? And, and that's one of the fascinating things about his breakup with Alice is that despite all of the anger and rage that she feels towards him understandably i think and you know we'll talk about that in a little bit she is concerned that of all people he won't get to see fillory so i think that says a lot about who she is not not that we didn't know she was a good person but that she's able to get past all of that and still say this guy's still my friend you know yeah. we got issues now but uh, that is something she realizes that importance. But, you know, back to the thing you were saying about how the writers maybe got to this episode and realized they got to kick it into fifth gear. Uh, you know, I, I do like all of the time issues, uh, the time travel, the time loop. Ah, I'm a little ambivalent about time loops. And I love the fact that Groundhog's Day is brought up and Dave <laughs> Fogg's like, oh, you know, now it's just a point of honor that I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was classic. It's like everyone brings up that movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, uh, you mentioned Our Lady Underground, and obviously she plays a big role in this episode, even though we just briefly see her in, in those flashback scenes. But she comes to Julia in her dreams which ultimately leads to team Beowulf's success and and that whole idea that her destiny Julia's that is, is to find a whole new kind of magic. So I I guess we're dealing with all sorts of stuff in this episode. I mean, the whole dream thing again, now I feel like I'm back to uh, game of Thrones and the three eyed crow and you know, uh, our three eyed Raven Raven and, uh, I don't know. I mean, is it just a dream? I mean, when is a dream just a dream? Well, see, that's that's actually a good point because that actually might explain, especially like the the jumps, the sudden jumps, and all of a sudden, like for, like I said, for example, all of a sudden, our lady of the underground came to all the people and took care of all their stuff, and boom, it's taken care of. It's like. Wait, what? So, you know, if this is all just some dream that, you know, might explain some of the narrative leaps that they've taken here, but also I feel like it'd be kind of a, maybe a little bit of a letdown if that's like their big plot. So I don't know. I don't know. I just have, have kind of like ambivalent feelings about the whole thing. Right. Now, one right of the now. things that I looked at as, I don't even necessarily want to say a negative because it's not too big of a negative but it is something that too many shows do as quentin and julia enter fillory we understand that team break bills has leaped into the earth fountain and presumably returning home so while we think they're going to get together nope not not for a while yet well, like okay. was that the earth fountain or was that the break bills fountain um 
Well, oh, oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Okay. Well, I guess really it still makes my same point yeah, that, right. that they're going to their respective realities. And then I'm wondering, and I don't know how I feel about this, because I think the way they've dealt with relationships throughout season one has been pretty interesting. Are we going to get a reshuffling of the relationship deck? I mean, Quentin's line to Alice, I made a mistake. You aimed a weapon. And he's, of course, referring to the fact that she just immediately went and slept with Penny. Right. And is that fair of him to say? Was it fair of what she did? I mean, is it important at all? Yeah. Well, okay. So, first of all, you know, I mean, I, I obviously, I, I could take some credit here and say I totally called it last week saying that they were, you know, going to go there with Penny and Alice. But as you see, they're not going to go there as far. They're not going to ship them. You know, you can see they're like basically saying, you know, we're we're friends. We, that happened, okay. But now, of course, you know, in the real world, how does that work out? Eh, you know, I don't know. But I, I found myself strangely agreeing with Quentin on this one a little bit. Now, obviously, the the I was drunk excuse just really doesn't cut it, you know, like um, to to say that, you know, you were under the influence of something. That's why I had sex with two different people. Um, you know, it just doesn't quite cut, it, especially in the early days of relationship. But that being said, she goes out and does her revenge screw. And then it's like she's still like, like you, you did your bit to like get back at him. You know, I, I just feel like her anger, I'm not saying it's wrong, but I'm just saying that, you know, obviously she has to look at, I don't know, I guess she didn't really, she wasn't on the, she didn't have her emotions bottled up. So it's and, not and like she really knows the effect. Well, I mean, she did the one time, right? So she kind of knows. So she knows what he was going through. Well, right, and, and he even says that, not that he was drunk, but that he was, you know, emotionally manipulated. I mean, that was, you know, the m emotions were going in the bottle, you know, in the bottle, out of the bottle. And, you know, I'm not going to justify what he did, you know, because, you know, again, what difference does it make? Drunk, emotions, fact is he did it, but it was her reaction an overreaction? And, and I, I just think it's something to think about. I did like the fact that as they're getting ready to go and they all bottle up their emotions except Penny, Quentin immediately goes, you two do make a cute couple, <laughs> which which I thought was great. But, right. uh, you know, I, I don't know whether any of us see Penny and Alice getting together. Obviously, Elliot and Margot are drifting apart. Katie and Julia or Sardaq. We're sort of coming together professionally, if you will. But then we get Quentin and Julia together. And then it goes back to that movie when Harry met Sally. And hmm. I am, I don't know what this says about me, but I am a firm believer that no, men and women can't be friends like that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I, you know, I, I used to believe that as I'm older now. Um, and I'm not like an 18 year old kid that wants to have sex with anything that moves. And well, that's know. true. <laughs> uh, but but not, not that I'm saying that you are. I'm just saying that I I I look at that maybe with a little bit more. But yeah, I, you know, I, so I, I don't know. But that, but that is certainly a a mantra that a lot of people hold to. That you know, like you have this friend that you go out with. I mean, if, if yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's probably on the guy end. You know, I, I obviously can't speak for women in that regard. But, but yeah, I mean, uh, certainly. Yeah, but, but like, I have, like, friends, like, at work who are women, and I don't want to sleep with them. Yeah, but also we don't go out on dates together. We don't have movie nights together or anything like that. So, you know, so it's not that kind of thing, like, yeah, from Harry Met Sally. Well, and I guess my reaction was seeing Julia and Quentin together and, and knowing some of their history but just seeing them together i mean it's electric 
clearly, and of course, we know he's told her how he feels about her, and, and I just find it hard to believe that she doesn't feel the same about him, and I wonder whether we're going to go down that path. But aside from that, we got a lot to talk about. You know, the break bills five are together and we get that great scene where they're just all sitting around and nobody's talking and Penny comes in and he doesn't really know what the heck is going on, which again, it's usually Penny that walks in on these scenes and he, he just does it so well, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he really um so as Elliot's star dims in my universe, uh Penny's is on the is uh waxing. No, he's number right. two on my list. I, I did a quick list earlier in the evening of my favorite yeah. slash important characters. Yeah, Elliot is dropping with a bullet. He's he's number seven. He's yeah, last. Yeah. And and Penny is he's he's definitely on the upswing, I, I, and I like how like you know, like you might say oh you know dude that's so uncool to I know Grant Alice is super hot okay and you already did see her having sex so there's there to to do to go there with I I know him and Quinn aren't really buddies I guess but still it seems a little sketchy to go there with Alice like basically right after they've broken up but you know whatever you know so otherwise um he's like the probably the most level-headed character in this episode you know the others are going crazy and he's the one who's actually thinking rationally right and he recognizes that in alice to a certain extent but elliot is unsurprisingly cavalier about the whole thing and and at some point not realistic to continue to excuse him for his actions and and once we get into uh, the traveling part of the episode and, and the thing he pulls honestly i would just leave his ass behind next time yeah yeah he's he's definitely he's definitely the weak link on the team here you know i and i my criticism of, of the the character is, you know, basically that here is a character that everyone liked a lot right from the beginning, and now you're making them out to be the most unlikable character. And granted, I, I agree with you 100. percent Like, yeah, we we get he's still kind of messed up about Mike, but you know, how long is this going to continue? Right? Like, like I yes, I understand human grief takes a long long time maybe even a lifetime to process so i'm not saying that in the real world you know get your shit together and get over it but in the tv world where you you know like it's not the real world and there's a character that you have to insert into stories and and use uh to push along your narrative and you're for now like four episodes he's just been moping around stoned and drunk the whole time like at some point you you gotta like change this you know it's probably overdue either like you know make him into a villain or get rid of him or turn around to get him back to the character that everyone loved before this whole thing happened well right and i think what he has to realize the others certainly realize it i I know quentin realizes i know penny realizes it they're at war they are preparing to go to war and again as you said people handle and deal with grief differently however that said the circumstances are dire at this point dude you have to put it aside you yeah. are a soldier in the war against the beast and just get over it. Or, or here's an idea. Stay at break bills and do drugs and get drunk. Don't go out on missions and then f, f it all up. I'm going to say the F word there. Right. You know, well, because that's know, what he does. He right, gets him kicked out. He gets him barred to the library forever. And then he almost blows the whole mission trying to get back to the fillery fountain. Oh, right. And, you know, I have Margot at the bottom of my list above Elliot, but 
the gap between the two is pretty darn big. I mean, Quentin blames Margot for ruining his life, and I love the fact that she's not having it. Is it wrong right. that I'm starting to side with the beast? <laughs> she asks. And, <laughs> and, and, and really, in the same way that Alice tells Quentin, you are not shaming me for having sex with Penny. You don't get to do that. And uh, again, she's absolutely right. No, you but don't. Yeah, but at that point, Quentin says, well, then why are you shaming me for having sex with Elliot Margo? Yeah. Well, I think she sees it as a betrayal, which of course it is. And I guess in her mind, they've broken up, even if they haven't specifically said the words were done. You know, in well, her I think mind. she did say the words. Well, but I think she said it after. I don't, I'm not sure. Oh, but, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, but, uh, potato, potato, uh, right? Right. You know, that, that whole, you don't get to shame me. And, and then Elliot needs, tells them that they need to table their problems because they need to go after the beast. And I'm thinking, well, that's sort of ironic given, you know, the two things you point out. He gets them kicked out of the library and nearly killed or you know, made to stay in neither land. So uh, uh, I don't know. But, you know, they bottle up their emotion. The game's afoot. They end up in neither land, except Quentin gets left behind. And uh, now I'm trying to remember. I, I've seen this episode several times. What happens to him? Now I can't remember. So he, he gets does. pushed back into the Oh, fountain. right, right, right. He goes through. and right, So he goes back. back to Earth. Right, because they they run into Eve, who's waiting there, and I think she's actually the one that pushes him back in. That's that's right. That's right. Now Quentin has a map of Neitherland. Pretty sure Fred posted this on the Facebook group. I know he posted the the map of Fillory, but uh, they've got this little hand drawn map. It's on a you know three ring binder sheet of loose leaf uh, notebook paper. Uh, I don't know if you you took a screen cap of it or not but but we see dada plaza viking plaza tornado plaza library entrance and library book shoot and, and those were the only things that i could really make out and obviously the ones with the library are self-explanatory i wonder what tornado plaza viking plaza i wonder if that takes them to the viking age or something yeah, like that that'd be cool uh the Dada Plaza. Now, I, I recognize Dada from, you know, living with an artist and hanging, you know, knowing all these artists. That it was an art movement uh, during World War One. I, I guess in a reaction to, you know, just the the horrors of of yeah. They warfare. just would like throw scraps of paper onto a canvas and paste them wherever they fell and shit. So uh, I don't know what those mean, but yeah. Hopefully we'll find out, but uh, they end up in the library. Well, we're not going to find out by next, you know, no, I think you're going to have to continue watching to find that one out, Dave. Probably not, but I, I love when the librarian greets them all by name, but calls Margot Janet. Right. Uh, it's Margot. Well, this time, this implying time, right? that she's been there under different right, which, names. Like, I don't think at that point... I, I don't think we found out about the time loop. The time loop yet? Do, have we, I, I, I don't know. I, I yeah, I'm not sure it. either. But why would she have a different name? Yeah. So right, right, right. So we haven't found out about the time loop yet when that happens. So yeah, why does she have a different? And that also explains how when Penny is there the first time, the, the librarian's like, oh, you know, basically it's like you again. Yeah. Right, so, so it's like not everyone in the world is reliving the time loops, but just I guess or just them or like like some people are aware that they're in a time loop and some aren't. You know, like it's weird, right? And and I wonder because at first glance I'm thinking, okay, so it's Margot, but she's going by Janet. But then I started thinking, no, maybe it was just a different person that maybe Margot didn't go in each iteration because right. as dean fogg tells quentin jane chatwin has to change things up each time to right. figure out what it is that's going to be the perfect combination so so maybe that's it and and i'm not real comfortable that elliot i'm sorry that quentin drugs dean fogg to get this information but okay i okay they have to speed things up whatever i guess it's not gonna yeah. 
have any long-lasting negative effects on Dean Fogg. Well, because if Dean Fogg just revealed this information out of nowhere, that would be crazy and unrealistic, right? Right. But <laughs> we learn that Jane Chatwin is dead. The loop is done. There's nobody well, we to reset learn that. it. We knew that. Right. But this is it. So there are no more loops. Either figure right. it out this time or that's the end of the magicians. And I'm assuming either way, Fogg doesn't have to have this conversation again. Right, right, right. <laughs> now, you already mentioned about getting them kicked out of the library. And I won't say I was surprised because I wasn't, but the librarian saying that travelers wrote our most precious books. And then, of course, she makes that connection that that books are people, which then kind of reminds me of that you know the closing scene in fahrenheit 451 when uh mm-hmm. oh guy, yeah guy meets the book people yeah, and each, yeah, each of good. them becomes a book e- even though they didn't write that book it just kind of drives home the point that you know this is somebody this is this is their life in in some form and while we know the travelers are important it's almost as if she's she's placing them a few notches up above everybody else and and of course at this point we don't really know why that would be i mean obviously they all have powers obviously penny i i guess it it is true his his powers are a cut above the others yeah so but uh anyway they run into that guy who's from the missing class of 2016 (laughs) yeah josh uh, and he, he does get to say the line that I think we all love to say. And when he says it, come with me if you – does he say come yeah. with me if you want to live? Or He, he does. He okay. Does, yes. <laughs> I always wanted to say that. And <laughs> so so that was perfect. I, I, I still like that. But but we also get that connection with Victoria, who is the, the young woman that Penny has encountered being held prisoner by the Beast – she apparently has cracked the ride-along concept because she she takes, I guess that's supposed to be the entire class minus, I think, a few of the, the deadbeats that, that he mentions didn't want to go. But he, he does have some information. He knows where the break bill's fountain is, but it's heavily guarded, and that's where you know Alice comes in. She's going to bend the light. And, and, but no, Penny has to take one of the hallucinogenic carrots and not well, Elliot. I, I'm sorry. Why do, why do I keep saying that? Elliot. And not just put it in his pocket for later, but no, he has to take it now. Right. Uh, and and I, I just, I really have a difficult time with that. I, you know, I've mentioned before my difficulty with characters that don't seem to be able to follow orders thinking <laughs> they know best. And I know that's not, what's going on here with Elliot. He's just, uh, he's just oblivious to reality, which I guess is kind of ironic given right. what it is we're, we're dealing with, but there well, are other so, people. He's just too self-absorbed and so bent about his own pain and suffering that he's unable to understand his role as a part of a team and understand that others are counting on him. Right. And, and now, because of his selfishness, Penny has to kill Eve so that they can all escape. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not like... Well... Not really. What do you mean, not really? I know you think she's cute and everything, but, you know, it's like... She well, was no. like she was a bad guy. Well, we don't know she that, She tried to kill really. Penny. Yeah, she well, tried to kill Penny. Well, okay, Regardless, he had to kill some. He could have gotten away without killing yes. anybody. Right. Well, exactly. There was no need for the fisticuffs. They could have all just hopped in the fountain and be gone. No problem. But Elliot effed it all up. Right. Now, you know, this is all about Elliot coping with the feeling that he had something to do with Mike's death. Well, now you've put Penny in that same situation. And we could argue whether... She's a bad guy, deserved it, whatever. It didn't have to happen. So, yeah. all right. Well, well, and he, you know, he burns Mike's book too, which is just, that's just petulance. Yeah. You know, like he's yeah. just really, there's like all as, as funny and full of life and 
you know, everything that was positive about Elliot when the show started, they've just completely flipped it around. And now he's like the complete opposite. And like I said, <clears throat> excuse me, before how Elliot with his emotions drained and Elliot with his emotions not drained is basically the same. He's still the same kind of zombie going through life in the foggy haze type of person. All right, well, let's talk about Team Beowulf for a second. And uh, Julia and Katie go to meet the guy by the bridge, although it turns out he's in some kind of apartment. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And we know they were supposed to bring him three gifts. And I don't know. I forget what kind of flowers they were. And then honeycomb. And, okay, we don't have any platinum. Now, I think isn't platinum more expensive than gold even yeah it's not that hard to get a hold okay. of like, but she says we bring you our faith and, and i love dude's reaction because you see him stop there i like it and, <laughs> uh, and and that really is what this is all about you know faith in our lady and yeah well I, I I, guess, david i'm sorry i just feel like i have to express at this point okay i have issues with one man bun <laughs> but two man buns, I think, is just over the line completely. So that's all I'm uh, going to say. All right. Well, continue. no, dude, I'm I'm with you on that one. I'm <laughs> not a fan of the man bun. <laughs> so there was a guy that that worked with us a few years back, and I really liked him. You know, he was a little bit younger than, well, a lot younger than me, and a little bit younger than you. And I really liked the guy. But uh, dude would rock a man bun from time to time. Yeah. Felt like calling him over to the side to have a little chat but anyway um <laughs> he performs this really quick miracle uh, that's what they call it that releases katie from the pain of her mother's death and that seems to be the springboard for uh, i guess them really diving headlong into uh, you know th this whole our lady of underground I guess story arc and, and 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 of course we know she does as you alluded at the top of the discussion she does accede to all of their wishes I mean she sends Richard back in the past and and we don't know you know whether he's successful in saving his child or not but he cures the one woman's breast cancer I don't remember if they actually specifically tell us what else she did but but Obviously. I think they run through and basically like everyone's good. Everyone got what they wanted. Right. But yeah. So, I mean, I already said, I think it's ridiculous how they, they did that, but you know, I'll, I'll, right. let it, I'll let it pass. Right. But he mentions also about Katie and Julia as the lady's daughters. So I'm wondering whether that's just some kind of a general reference that you're her daughters as you're that you are followers of her now, or it, are we going to find something uh, um, again? It yeah, I, I definitely didn't Thrones, take that you know? as a, a literal meaning, but yeah. you know, hey, you never know, right? Right. But, you know, Team Beowulf celebrating, and, and, and they do think everything's about to change. And I, I don't know how I feel about Julia jumping into bed with richard I, I do love the when she says so uh does that really work getting co-eds into bed and not as often as i would have hoped and, and again she's an adult she's you know a sure. master of of her body she can do whatever she wants but i guess there's just something skeezy about him for me that i, I guess i really like julia and i i, I don't know i just <laughs> yeah I, yeah I, I mean i i get i get what you're saying there you know there, there there could be but i always kind of saw richard as having fairly pure intentions and i i you know while they definitely set up their relationship over the last like three episodes you know it was like a slow burn yeah they didn't just jump in the bed oh, the first time they met it was like really they developed that and it kind of went that way, but then it's like not unlike with Penny and and Alice, where it's like, well, they went there, and then it's like now everyone's going their own way, you know. Like uh, Richard just traveled to the past. Will Will Jules ever even see him again? 
Yeah, and uh, I hope not. But, but, uh, but, but you know, I mean, and we've talked about this as we've led up to the actual meeting with Our Lady Underground, that actions have consequences, and he essentially refuses to accept his, and that he's going to go back and change it. And I, I understand there's a, a, a child at the core of this that that had something horrific happen to it but uh, i don't know again i don't want to belabor that he tells her to keep the fire that motivates her and and you know again as you just said it does sound like goodbye and maybe she recognizes that And, and again i mean all the stress that she's been through he really took her in and gave her a home both magically and I think literally to to a certain extent. I mean, I know she had her own apartment, but it you know, right. gave her a family, uh, you know, with which to you know, embrace her magical abilities. So I guess that's then why I love when Quentin and Julia finally get together, and he shows up, and I don't know if he had figured this out before. Or did he figure it out as he's standing there in the doorway that Julia was the change? You know, the, yeah, the change. Right, right, right. No, I think, uh, um, didn't Fogg tell him that? Well, I can't remember if he mentions I, I it think specifically. Fogg, I think he, he said that Fogg told him that. Um, which, actually, when now we think about it, because I was very critical about Jules and how kind of crazy she was and how she should just let this whole thing go. But in the end, I guess she's totally justified and right. Like, you know, all of her, you know, craziness of trying to get back into break bills was because she really was supposed to be there. Right. And, and I am perfectly fine and, and actually like the fact that she says the whole time I was right, because ordinarily I, I wouldn't like a character doing that. But because of everything she's been through, you know, it. it does give her that validation and of course he feels bad for not believing her (laughs) and then i I, I like the fact that they get it all out there she apologizes for being vindictive that maybe she went a little bit too far and, and but at the end they hug it out and they work on the problem at hand which is Going to Fillory, which is something, as she said, that we've been planning since we were nine. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Again, what a great line. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you know, maybe Jane might have hit on the, the right element this time. Because I think, actually, by sending Jules out into the world rather than break bills, she's, you know, like we said last time, she's really been learning some stuff out there in the world that the break bills students aren't even getting anywhere near. So I think in a lot of ways she's more advanced magically than her, you know, than, than Q is certainly, and and so maybe that was really the thing that needed to be done. Yeah, but the one thing that concerns me though about Julia that I, I guess is part of her experience with Team Beowulf is that she's decided that magic is for fixing things. Right. And again, as we've said, that there's always an unintended consequence. Sure. Or maybe there's not. Yeah, I mean, it certainly seems that way. So obviously that's something that we'll, we'll keep an eye on. But they've got to figure out how they're going to get the fillery. They start pouring over the books, and, and then the idea of time magic comes up. Well, what about once we're there? You know, What if we're at the wrong time period? And apparently uh, they know this from the books, that uh, once you're there, there's always a way. And it's like, great. So... Uh, they've got some sort of time travel device. I guess they went in the time travel room at break bills and yeah, they, they find themselves in 1942. And again, uh, we just have, it's a, no, one of those jumps in narrative, right? Like we're just like, all right, fine. This, right. this one I can accept though. I get well, it. They said, okay, we need to come with a time travel thing. Boom. Next thing you know, they're time traveling. Well, right. And, and again, it's, it's, break bills it is magic so okay i guess they experiment with time travel as well they've got devices all right fine and they get there two days before uh, you know they need to be but again the one thing i did notice though the device doesn't appear to have gone with them so how are they going to return to the present yeah 
But they see Jane Chatwin enter the red phone booth, which they immediately recognize as, you know, the, the portal, or at least they suspect it's the portal. They follow her in and, of course, end up in Fillory. And then off in the distance, they see that castle. Mm-hmm. And, and Fred did uh, put up a image in the Facebook group of the castle and, and the image they see. And I guess I just, you know, in terms of a feel-good ending, how fitting that everything they've gone through the two of them get to experience this together and yes. we assume they're the first of the group other than penny and his experience in fillery is certainly not pleasant by any stretch right anyway um i'm gonna stick with my a minus and i don't know if there's anything else you want to mention that we haven't talked about no i think we a minus some yeah stick with that okay All right, well, why don't we take a listen to Fred's feedback this week, and then we will be right back. Time is always with you. She sees and hears everything, what you do and what you say. Time travel, really exists. Hello Dave and Wayne, this is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for The Magicians, Season 1, Episode 12. Whoa, Dark is coming, and this was a part of the just newly released teaser. It's intriguing, actually you could spend a whole podcast just analyzing this one minute teaser. First off, I want to thank you so, so much for your bonus episode, which you released between the previous podcast for episode 11 and this one. I didn't expect that you would do it so, uh, so soon. So as a Patreon, you offered to do my top 10 list. And I have to add something. It's not my top, top 10 list. I chose 10 series and movies of which you haven't done any podcast so far, as far as I know. So series as Continuum or Lost Girl or Dollhouse, Travelers, etc. I did not include because you already were doing a podcast about it. And I also didn't pick, for instance, series of which you did a pilot, such as, for instance, Star Trek Discovery or Lost in Space. So for Magicians fans who didn't listen to the bonus episode, it consisted of the movies Avatar, Kataka, Doomsday, the Divergent Trilogy and Thunderbirds. And as series, it was Defiance, Killjoys and The Crossing. At the end of this bonus episode, you made a top 10, which I like. And very striking was, of course, that, for instance, the movie Avatar landed up on, on place 9 in Dave's ranking and on position 1 in Wayne's ranking. I made myself also a top 10 list, which I sent you with my notes. And striking is that the film Gattaca, which is a, well, 1997 quite slow-paced film, landed up in the top 3 of all of us. For me, it's, of course, a very important movie because it is about DNA playing an important role in society. And since I'm a geneticist, uh, it's it's a very important film for me. I also use that in my lectures and some colleagues also use this film a lot. And Wayne is saying in this bonus episode... Every year that goes by, I feel we get closer to Gattaca, you know? Yeah. Oh, It's like one of those movies that is just... It's like Fahrenheit 451. It's just eerily prophetic and right you are wayne uh, one of the striking things about gataka is if and i know about techniques they use that nowadays a lot of it what's in it is possible and that's just the scary thing about it another thing about these top 10 lists is that the series killjoys and defiance landed up in all three of us uh, in the top four And the film Doomsday was a nice surprise for you with Arona Mitra, which I like a lot. Uh, Doomsday landed up at position 5 in all our lists. And Thunderbirds landed up on the last position in all our three lists. And of course, this is a bit childish movie. I have to say, I respect it a lot that you 
even took the time to really watch it. If you being brought up with Thunderbirds in the 60s as a child, this is so nostalgic that that, that is the reason why you like it. And the 60s series was a super marionation f- series, so with marionettes and a lot of technique was used before CGI. And this movie is with real people, and it's just funny. And directed by Jonathan Frakes. So, thanks a lot once more. Last podcast, Dave, you were asking something about full-scale battle setting. And it was funny, because Wayne's reaction was just on the... Uh, sex that was in the episode who knows what's going to happen once they actually yeah. uh go into full-scale battle but i just feel like they're all gonna have sex with each other yeah, by we'll the time see, this thing's but, all uh, said and done i thought actually the same as wayne did last episode where margot elliot and quinton landed up in bed together and i thought well really And I actually hoped a little bit that they didn't do too much because they were so drunk. But at the beginning of this episode, we saw that it was, well, a little more. And indeed, Alice became very angry and even broke up with Quentin. And this whole idea about everybody having sex with everybody. So in this episode, we get Julia with Richard and we get Penny with Alice. And I think Wayne is having a a real good point here. Okay, going into the episode. What's very funny in the beginning is that Penny doesn't understand what is happening to the other four. So Alice, Quinton, Elliot and Margot. He's saying, what the fuck is going on with you people? And he doesn't understand it. And the only thing Alice can do is having flashbacks to finding the other three in bed. And then being very angry at Quinton and saying, it's over. But Penny's face was gold in this scene. In the beginning of the episode, they visit this servant of Our Lady Underground, and he is saying to Katie, Your mother used your faith, but she isn't your true mother. Our Lady feels you require a miracle, and then he touches her, and Katie is kind of liberated. I really have some trouble with this Our Lady Underground. It really looks like a Maria-like Christian symbol. But when we then see the Our Lady Underground helping the members of the free trader Beowulf group, it gives me a whole different impression. Much more cult-like, perhaps going back to old ages, Roman ages, with all these white clothes, etc. Well, the servant served her already for thousand years, so she goes back at least thousand years. And what about Katie's mother not being her her mother? Who is her mother? A little further, Julia says, and if she's around and if she gives a shit, I have to believe she wants her daughters to show a little ambition. What does this term daughters mean? Real daughters or daughters in the sense of followers, believers, whatever. I think the scene with Quentin and Dean Falk, with giving Dean Falk for the 27th time truth serum, <laughs> was a very nice and funny scene. And what's striking, of course, is this is the last time they go through the loop, because Jane is not there anymore to reset it. And, well, that makes Dean Falk more or less happy. I liked the whole interaction between Julia and Quentin. They reconciled and Julia really changed from being frustrated and angry to being open and warm and happy. And yeah, real big change this goddess brought into her life. And finally landing up in Fillory together with Quentin. One of the Things about landing up in Fillory. I wonder if these groups will meet each other. So Julia and Quinton and the other ones. Because, well, time is fluid. (laughs) As it seems in this series as in many other series. But the whole Breakbills group is landing up in Fillory at present time. Do Quinton and Julia land up in the 1942 Fillory? 
And do, don't they even meet, because they are in another time period in Villery. Quentin and Julia follow Jane, and Jane is in 1942. So I really wonder how this is cleared up or explained, or that they really will move along in the next episode in different time periods. But I doubt it very much that Julia and Quentin will not meet the others, just for storytelling reasons. Or they, also for storytelling reasons, will not meet, and that will be a, the cliffhanger to season two. By the way, I tried to locate the entrance point where Quentin and Julia enter Fillory, and I placed a map on the Facebook page where you can see this. I think they are in the southern orchard and looking towards the castle Witchspear with then in the back the northern mountains. Have a look at the Facebook page and you will see. On this map there is not a mark for a Fillory entrance point, but I think Fillory will have more entrance points. We will uh, learn that in the next seasons probably. We have enough of them. I have a nitpick or actually a continuity error at the end of the episode. The Breakbills team is followed by a group of local outlaws, so Eve's group. Then Alice performs battle medic on one of them, and they jump into the Villery fountain. We see those guys running towards them. Then, just a little later, Penny is stopped by Eve. Penny kills Eve, and also jumps into the Villery fountain. And we have another look at these guys that were running towards the fountain. In the episode, this is about 24 seconds later, but these guys are running towards Penny from a much further away position than the earlier shot. I gave you some screenshots in my notes, so you can see the proof of that. So now I really have to stop, otherwise this feedback gets way too long, but I couldn't resist in the beginning to say something about the marvelous bonus episode number four where you did my top 10 thanks again and looking forward to the last episode of season one of the magicians greetings all the best fred from the netherlands that includes emotion bottles damage always ensues you understand of course What, this is just some giant blood-soaked groundhog day. All right, so, uh, you know, he brings up the uh, the dark trailer. And, and to be honest, I'm not watching it at all. I, I don't want to be spoiled anymore. Uh, I, I'm going to wait <laughs> till it drops. the fact that we did a whole well, I understand about that. a trailer that might not even be a real trailer. Uh, that's right, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to let that go. So, you know, I'm sure... A lot of you guys are are going to watch it, and that's good. I'm going to wait till June 21st. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun doing the uh, bonus episode for Fred, and some things that, uh, of course, that we'd seen, and and some that we hadn't. And Thunderbirds, uh, <laughs> yeah, that that was an interesting. And again, it's it's a kids show. It's a kids movie, and uh, I I think though the one movie that that really struck both of us that that we had seen before but it had been a while was Gattaca and just you know really how important a movie it really is and and I think sometimes I don't know why it just kind of gets lost you know yeah well I mean Fred mentions it is the slow pace in a bit but uh yeah it's just such a really good I've always loved Gattaca I've always thought it was such a good movie and so very underrated but but yeah and especially nowadays just it's so you know, it's so prescient, you know, it's like, kind of like Fahrenheit 451, where you go back and see, damn, like, you know, they've kind of nailed it. Right. Now, now he does bring up something you said last time. And it, it, again, it was something that I intended to write down and I was going to, you know, make a little joke that, uh, you know, Katie needs to get on the ball because she's only had sex with Penny. Right. From what we know, but no, uh, she's, she's, you know, almost a, yeah, yeah, she's like she's she's a prude. 
Right. So uh, by the end of season two, I wonder whether everybody will have had sex with everybody else or or what. But uh, but into uh, episode 12, you know, as we said, the, the opening scene where Penny walks in, it's just really gold because the tension is so thick. And and Penny is just such a great character that <laughs> I thought he was going to be a lot more hard ass on them than he was. I, I think maybe he's learned to tone it down a little bit, but but still. The Our Lady Underground, I don't know. I mean, I know there's got to be something more there. And I, like you, I, I'm just afraid to look anything up these days because I'm afraid right. of what I yeah. might see. Yeah, we've, we've been burned already. So I suspect we're going to find more about who our lady underground really is and again i mentioned a few minutes ago that when is a dream not a dream but it certainly seemed as if our lady underground was in that room with team beowulf and and you know we could look the actress up i suppose in imdb but you know i i I didn't do that so you know is it as Fred points out, a religious thing, I, I, I think we have to say it is, but I mean, there are so many religions that we can draw from, you know? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I think it, I don't know, like it, it almost shows that there's maybe, you know, like some higher element. I'm not saying like, like ma- so like magic is not like the ultimate power in this show. Like there's right. something that trumps it, right? Right, but but you know whether it's Battlestar Galactica, Game of Thrones, the whole monotheistic versus polytheistic approach could be at play here. I mean, you and I have talked how many times about you know mythology and the gods and goddesses. Is it, is it something like that? Um, you know, and, and Fred even mentions the whole idea about the daughters that we were talking about a few minutes ago. Is it literal or? simply follower believer which i think yeah. we we both tend to think it, it's it's probably that you know he points out about julia really changing and even before q fills her in on her destiny and that she should have been at break bills but she had to go through this experience for the greater good i mean she really has been changing and you know, I, I think she had the chance to go down Elliot's road, so to speak, mm-hmm. but she doesn't. Right. And there's just, it's, as we said a few minutes ago, it's becoming increasingly difficult to, to make excuses for Elliot because he's got yeah. people that care about him around him. It's not like he's isolated. And, and, you know, we could argue that for a time Julia was isolated, but she made a effort to go out and become part of something. So, True. you know, the, the, the uh, meeting in Fillory, again, I'm not going to be too hard on, you know, the, ah, oh, we just missed them. I, I think at some point, obviously, they will meet in Fillory. And let's see, what else did he say? Let me look at my notes here. Oh, oh uh, he's continuity error yeah 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 how does he fred dude i don't know how you notice some of these things <laughs> well you know what this reminds you i mean i know you've seen my python the holy grail and so there's that scene where you know lancelot is running towards uh the castle and every time they they show like some guards looking at them and they they shoot back to lancelot but he's starting from the same place he started in the the previous shot and then you know they go back a third time and once again, he's starting from way back. It's just like the funniest scene. So that's kind of what I was uh, reminding me of when Fred uh, threw those pictures up there. Yeah, it's not like they left a water bottle or a Starbucks cup on the exactly, table. Exactly, especially not in, in consecutive weeks, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but anyway, great stuff as always, Fred. And and oh, man, we're uh, season finale next time. And you know, it was brought up on the Facebook group. It might have been David Howarth. Uh, probably should know that but but somebody asked whether or not we were going to continue looking at the magicians and and i know fred has asked me that before as well and my answer has always been that well wayne and i haven't really talked about it 
I certainly wouldn't be opposed to it given the right circumstance, but, uh, you know, I, I guess the answer is we haven't talked about it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, we really, I mean, we've got dark and, and that's basically it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so. so for the next, how many episodes is this? 10? Uh, dark is only eight this time. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, well, we've got at least eight weeks. Yeah, a couple months yeah. to figure it so, out. So, yeah, we'll probably go like the first four before we even start thinking about what we're going to do next. And then Dave will shoot me an email, what do you want to do next? And then then the Eventually. haggling will go on and the, the bartering and the exchanging of daughters and things like that that goes in with deciding what show we're going to do next. Exactly. So, uh, all right. Um, anything else that uh, you want to bring up about his feedback or anything that we forgot? Um. Uh, uh, I don't think so. Okay. All right. Well, we will leave it there. That, that was a great episode. And as we said, one more, but that's going to do it for this episode of sci-fi TV rewatch. Want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about the magicians and, you know, maybe shoot us a message about whether or not you think we should go on after dark. Um, encourage you to join the Facebook group, share your thoughts with the sci-fi TV rewatch community. If you're already a member, you can spread the word, bring other people in. Emails, as always, go to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails via the SpeakPipe tab, which you can access through the website. And we'll be back next week to finish our discussion, at least of season one of The Magicians, with the season finale, episode 13, titled, Have You Brought Me Little Cakes? <laughs> but until then... You know, Dave, I just hope that when, we're, when all is said and done, we're done talking about season one of The Magicians that we don't say that one or another super shitty ending is coming within days. <laughs>